We have a whole squad that can really hoop and get the job done. We got our way to win. It's simple for us. The first team ever in the 74-year history of the NBA to come back from being down 3-1 twice in the same playoffs. Nuggets down one into Murray. Here we go. Ten seconds. Murray to Jokic. Jokic. What's up, Nuggets Nation? Jenna Garcia back with another episode of the Chicken Nuggets podcast. Thanks to everyone for tuning in, and especially thanks to our sponsor, BetStamp, where you can download today and start shopping the best lines in sports. Yes, you can have a sports book. That might be where you have your bankroll in, but it's not necessarily giving you the best lines to get the best return on your investment. So download BetStamp and make sure that you are getting the best return on that investment by using the right book to place all your bets. It also keeps track of every bet you place so that you can continue to be a responsible better. When you download, use promo code JennaG, that's J-E-N-A-G, so that they know who sent you. On today's episode, we're going to go back and review the four-game skid that the Nuggets went through recently and talk about the seriousness of that four-game losing streak. I believe it was five out of their last out of their seven games or six games that they had lost in that chunk. They've now bounced back and got a couple of good home wins. So we'll go over that. We'll also talk about some quotes from Coach Malone today at practice and the article that he's referencing by ESPN's Kirk Goosenberry. No, I'm making him an, an 80s pitcher, aren't I? Uh, no, Kirk Goldsberry. Yep, <laughs> I was definitely making him a pitcher from the 80s or 90s. Y'all know Goosenberry, right? Um, and we're going to talk about whether that article and the information in that article is really giving an authentic picture into Nikola Jokic's defense. Let's start by getting into that four-game, five in their last six games losing streak that happened at the beginning of March from March 8th through about March 14th maybe even March 18th if you want to include that loss to the Knicks Nuggets Nation was in uproar quite literally people were upset (laughs) really upset like and and not just upset because their team was being criticized but upset because I, and I think genuinely concerned that their team wasn't the team that they had been sh- watching all season long, that their team was maybe had peaked too soon. I heard that about the Nuggets. I heard, you know, that this team isn't going to make it into the playoffs, make a deep run. Um, lots of questioning. And I got a lot of pushback on Twitter because I told people they need to trust in the team that they've been watching all season. And I think of it kind of as like an analogy that I like to use when thinking about this is when you have a friend who has been supportive, 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 got your back, and then for a week they have a bad week. They're not the best friend that they've been to you this entire time, and they're making you question, you know, your friendship. Questioning the friendship, not a big deal, not bad to question a friendship. Sure, take a deeper look at it, for sure. Maybe even, I'm not saying that those feelings are invalid or that they aren't real, that they don't exist. Sure, that four game straight plus the extra one in the the Knicks, if you count that fifth fifth loss in the middle of March, 
um, yeah, of course they were concerning. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being concerned. I think most importantly, the people who need to be concerned about it are the people on the floor. And from what I can tell, Michael Malone, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, uh, the leaders on this team, right? KCP, DeAndre Jordan have been named as leaders many times, being the guys who speak up in the locker room. Those are the people who need to be most concerned from a four-game skid, right? Fans, I, I genuinely think, had this skid come sooner in the year, had it come with less uh, criticism from national media, then maybe this skid doesn't feel like such a skid, right? Like so difficult to overcome. But if you look at it, lots of teams have had skids, have had, you know, several games in a row where they've lost since the all-star break specifically one that comes to mind that recently came through denver are the philadelphia 76ers they have lost four uh let's see four of their last five games with just one win in chicago that that kicked off with a loss to chicago then a win to chicago then a loss to Golden State, a loss to Phoenix without Kevin Durant, mind you, and then a loss to Denver. And I know what people are going to say. Well, that's different because one of those losses, they didn't have their star players. Um, they were sitting guys. There were injuries. And I genuinely feel like just because the Nuggets put their stars out on the floor does not necessarily mean there weren't injuries going on, right? We know in that time frame that Aaron Gordon struggling with his shoulder struggling with his rib we saw jamal murray uh leave a couple of these games and not return due to twisting an ankle or knee pain knee soreness i think they said knee pain knee soreness in his one of his knees so obviously there are still injuries and things guys are going through at this time of the season so yes philadelphia lost to probably better teams when you really look at the teams denver lost to though the only really bad win, bad loss, excuse me, was against the Spurs. The Spurs were, are the only team on that list that are a really bad team, a team that's not trying to necessarily win games. However, the Spurs are a very well-coached team, a very fundamental team, and they took it to the Nuggets in that game, and they were able to get a couple of wins. They didn't rest any of their players. They came out in full strength. Keldon Johnson always gets his buckets against the Nuggets. Always, always, always. I always bet him. That's why I know he always is very effective against Denver. Um, so yes, they lost to the Spurs and that's probably a bad win, but Brooklyn is a playoff team. The Knicks are a playoff team and Chicago is a play-in team as is Toronto in the East, right? A play-in team in the East. They might be lower seed, like six. I think one of them is sixth and the other is eighth or so right now but the east is a little bit more separated let's see chicago is 10th right now playing team toronto is ninth uh yeah and the rest of them are playoff teams that they lost to in that in that uh few game streak if they were west coast teams they'd be ninth place but only i don't know two games back from fourth so when you're talking about standings and who these guys are losing to, it can be a really good team that happens to be in 10th place because they're only one loss. They have one more loss than the 
seventh, eighth, and ninth place teams. I think that's worth considering when you're, you know, as a fan, when you are kind of losing it. Y'all were kind of losing it <laughs> for a couple of games there. And I just like want to give people a chance to process and like come back to earth come back to earth look at the teams they lost to why did they lose to those teams brooklyn it's really wing heavy team the nuggets have a hard time guarding long lengthy wings wing players um and i and i think all of this goes into the comments that malone had today after practice and that are referenced in this article we're going to talk about uh because it's it's actually quite interesting quite interesting some of the numbers that are used to kind of speak against Jokic and his MVP run right on the defensive side of the floor so in this article by Kirk Goldsberry I keep I'm gonna just keep making him a gooseberry I don't know it would be a better name let's be honest in this article by Kirk he um mostly focuses on that loss to San Antonio and obviously being the worst team of the four losses it looks the worst right the numbers look the worst in that loss and I I do feel like that's quite unfair to just highlight one L when you're looking at a, a team's portfolio a team's you know how they've played over the course of a season looking at one loss really is unfair especially when you're criticizing the best player on this team and I don't want any of you to go and give Kirk any clicks so I'm just going to summarize this article for you basically he's talking about how uh, Denver is so dependent on Nikola Jokic on both the offense and defensive side of the ball that if the Nuggets want to make a deep playoff run it'll all be on Nikola Jokic's back which is the first part of this argument that I really disagree with. I have to really disagree with him here. Um, yes, the Nuggets are very heavily dependent on Nikola Jokic. He is their entire center. He's their son, right? Everything revolves around him, including the defense. Including the defense. And I think these numbers really that are used in this article really paint Jokic as a really poor defender in a really poor light as a defender I would say um, and there's a couple of issues I have with them based on what I saw when I looked back at the second spectrum gameplays uh, where Nicola is marked as the closest defender so that's where the premise of this entire argument comes from, from Kirk. He said that out of 25 players that have defended at least 500 paint shots in this season, Nikola ranks 24th in field goal percentage, allowing 62% and 24% or 24th in points per game allowed with 14.8. Out of the 12 players that have defeated that have defended at least 500 layup attempts this season, Nicola ranks 12th in field goal percentages allowed, allowing 66.6% on those attempts. And finally, he says that um, uh, opponents are scoring 12.7 points per game on layups against Nikola Jokic as the closest defender. That's the highest such mark in the NBA since uh, this season and on pace to be the most in the player tracking era. That's since 
So here's my issue with that closest offender uh, stipulation that he's basically going into Second Spectrum, which is a website that keeps track of all of these different um, data points, right? So you can plug in, like, I want to see all the plays where Michael Porter Jr. has the ball in his hand and he's facing, he's taking shots from 12 feet outside the basket. Um, you can put all these different filters in it, right? And then see and watch all of the clips where those filters apply. So I went in to Second Spectrum. I put in Nikola Jokic, closest defender. And there's a lot of clips. I, to be specific, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, to be specific, there are 1,241 clips of where Jokic is the closest defender. So I start watching through these clips. And here's one thing I noticed. He's not always the closest defender. He's not. There's some of these that are misrepresenting Nicola as the closest defender to the guy who scores. And that uh, like is a few of them. A few of these clips. I'm not going to watch all. I'm on 195. So you know I, you know I watched a handful. A good handful of the 1,200 something clips there are. But I'm not going to watch all 1,000 clips. I will say... I like 2%, 2 to 5% of the clips that I watched, Nicola was misrepresented as the closest defender. There's a couple that it doesn't, he's not even near the person shooting the ball, and he's marked as the closest defender to the shooter. Um, so there's that. Hopefully, Kirk was able to go through and not just look at the numbers and give you the percentage based on what the app says, because yes, computers are really smart but they also make mistakes, right? Algorithms make mistakes. This is a type of data collection that obviously can have flaws. Like, I don't know why that's so far out of reach. So I really hope he watched some of these clips because there's that. The second thing I noticed was when Nicola is the, the closest defender, and he genuinely was the closest in these clips, there are a handful of other clips. And this is a bigger handful, like, I don't know, 10% of the clips that I saw, 10, 15, maybe 20% of the clips that I saw. Again, I watched 195 clips. Of those clips that I watched, there are a handful of them where he is actually the closest defender. But what happens is he's the closest defender in help defense situation. Whether that's someone driving past MPJ and Nicola is rotating over to provide help in the paint and then he ends up you know, getting there a step later and the guy scores, there's those examples. There are a few examples um, where it's a two-on-one scenario. There are several examples where he's a two-on-one scenario, you know, in transition especially. I'm thinking of one clip against the Pelicans where um, I think it was Trey Murphy uh, he's driving into the lane. Uh, no, you know what? It was San Antonio. It was Trey Jones. Trey Jones driving into the lane in transition, and he's dishing it at the last second to a teammate who ends up shooting and making it, right? Because it's a two-on-one. Nicola's got to attack the ball first, and of course it gets dished to the second player, and it goes in. 
Now, do I think that that means Nicole is a really bad rim protector and a really bad defender? No, I think that's a bad situation. And any two-on-one, any player, is it's like 50-50, right? I get a hand on this ball or I don't. And I guess Kirk is saying that Nicola is allowing 66% of shots to go in, especially on layups. That's slightly over 50%. So yeah, maybe it slightly looks bad. But when you hear about it in the context of 66% out of 100, well, well, that's pretty that's pretty good, right? If someone's shooting 66%, you're thinking, shooter, you got to guard this guy, right? These are on layups. Layups are the easiest shot on the floor. Any kid can make a layup. Anybody. It's the easiest shot to make. So it might not be the easiest shot to defend, Rim protectors are definitely, and centers in general, tend to have a big role on the defensive side because those are the easiest shots. Teams will go for layups and they'll go for threes. So for Nicola to be defending it and allowing 66% of those layups to go in, doesn't it feels worse when I read it, but when I really like add the context to it on layups, okay. Those are a lot of two-on-one situations, a lot of transition situations. I'll take it, right? I was I I was more surprised by the article and the way that the article used the context of the the context of these numbers and percentages to make Nicola look bad than I was by the video footage. When I saw it, and that's the funniest part is that Kirk says in his very first line like all these people who want to use he even uses the word nerdier at some point to talk about people who use analytics to defend their point, even though he's looking at analytics to defend his point. I just cannot stand people who say like, oh, if you look at the numbers or you care about the analytics, then you must be a nerd. No, you can be a basketball fan who actually wants to use logic. There's that, right? We look at the numbers in every other scenario, does anything in the world, any topic, I don't know. I'm not, I'm looking at my gas mileage and i see i'm i'm due for an oil change that's numbers right we're not just like oh it's been two months no because in two months i might drive a lot that those two months or i might drive none those two during those two months not at all i might be working from home those two months so i can't just go get an oil change every two months just because but i can use the numbers that are provided to me by my car to make sure that i'm going when i need one right and I, I'm a big proponent of it's both. It's the eye test plus the analytics. It's both. The analytics, the numbers should back up what you see on the floor. And what Kirk is saying is they do. They back it up. He's a terrible defender. You can tell with your eyes and you can tell in these numbers back it up. But then he goes on to call people who use numbers nerds. Okay. Not a fan. Not a fan, Kirk, of that choice of words you're using there. But what I saw from the eye test, and that's why I, I clocked into Second Spectrum myself. Let me rewatch. Let me not just use my memory to remember what I saw in these games, but let me rewatch these games. I think it's an unfair description of what Nicola is able to do on the defensive side of the floor, and so did Michael Malone. Today at practice, Malone commented specifically on this article, calling it a hackett job. I thought at first he was talking about Nathaniel Hackett <laughs> but no he's just talking about this article he says 
Hackett jobs are made about Nicola's defense. I don't know who's paying some of these people to write these articles. Okay, Malone, you do know. It's ESPN. And ESPN should be, in all of your minds, questionable for their content, especially as of late. Not only have they lost a handful of their best journalists, but they've also all of a sudden become became a woke organization by hiring more black journalists just because during the pandemic it was made very clear that us as a society wasn't aren't aren't I was going to say wasn't or weren't anymore but we aren't up for racism anymore so what does ESPN do oh they get on the right side of history a little too late we we see y'all you know not only that but this article just really emphasizes that Nicola at the end it specifically says like that they won't get to a deep playoff run because they have the 12th ranked defense and that's the lowest defense of rating defensive rating that any team has had in the modern NBA and that no team with a defensive rating outside of the top 10 has won a championship but he also mentions just how wide open the standings are this season and how wide open this season seems to feel when it comes to who's going to win the championship the part that i don't like about saying that the nuggets are only going to be able to get to a deep playoff run or only going to get to a championship let's say if nicola is the best defender on the floor or how far nicola's defense will take them i just feel like it's untrue one because this is a team sport it's not a one-on-one Nikola is not out on the floor defending by himself. He's got really good defenders around him in KCP. He's got Bruce Brown out there sometimes next to him. He's got Aaron Gordon, let's not forget, the best defender on this team, who is consistently asked to defend the best player on opposing teams night in and night out, and then criticized when his box score doesn't look good because we don't put defensive stats in the box score. We all, like, it's just so funny to me like it's a team sport you can play team defense and I do think that the Nuggets will be able to defend as a team in the postseason whether or not Nicola has a lot of shots made on him in the paint that was one point that the article makes that the Nuggets are letting teams or have the highest number of points scored against them in the paint across the season that's probably something that they should look into. I'm not saying it's a good stat. I'm, uh, I'm not saying like we should ignore it. I'm saying absolutely their paint defense needs to be better. Absolutely. Nicola is the biggest member of that. The biggest part participant in the paint defense. Sure. That's fair. Absolutely. But when I look back at most of the clips, what I see is Nicola avoiding foul trouble. Avoiding foul trouble because without him on the floor on offense this team cannot win they have is it as easy to do without Nicola no is their entire offense and entire game structure plan around Nicola yes which is why he needs to be on the court so if he's not getting a hand up or not contesting a shot at the rim because he'll take a bunny right We'll give you a layup. We'll give you, those are easy two points. But when it really comes down to it, we've seen Nicola have really good hands this season. 
He gets his hands in there. He, he'll get a turnover toss at him. Uh, he'll get a turnover here and there, excuse me. He'll get a block here and there. And he's doing so much on the offensive side of the ball that I think he really is just trying to avoid foul trouble. The other context I want to give is comes from like conversations I've had with people, players um, in the on the team, people within the organization, media members who cover this team regularly, and that has mostly been around the fact that on offense, Nicola has such an IQ. He sees passes; it comes so naturally to him. And the difference is that on defense, it doesn't. It's not as natural. It doesn't come naturally to him to know where he he should be, what rotations, which is why you see the Nuggets play a lot of drop coverage. And drop is not the best coverage to play against a lot of teams, right? We know that. We've seen a lot of teams like the Nets take advantage of it. But it is the best coverage for Nikola. It makes it the easiest for him. And I think what you really have to remember is that when you're asked to do so much on the offensive side, can you ask that same player to have their mind locked in on the defensive side at the same level, the same amount? I think really Nikola has strengths and he has weaknesses. Sure, his defense can be a weakness, but to say that this one player determines this team's outcome, determines whether this team can win a championship, is completely unfair to the other four guys on the floor with him. And what's even worse is that this article quoted Nicola talking about and praising Joel Embiid, praising Giannis, praising because he's not a jealous person. He doesn't want his game to be like Embiid's. He doesn't strive to be like anybody. He didn't even know or think that he would make it to the NBA. When you look at clips when he's talking as a teenager, he says, I hope to make it to a big Euro club. He doesn't say the NBA. Giannis said the NBA. He had that in his mind. He knew that he was going to make it to the NBA one day. And I think a lot of that comes from, well, Nicole is not athletic. Okay. So we only athletic guys can play basketball? Because I know y'all have seen the clips of the biggest dude out on the court draining threes and the guy who doesn't look like he can shoot at all, but he's still the high scorer in a game. Like all of this just comes down to stereotypes and people wanting to believe that you have to be the most athletic out of this world body to be able to be good at this sport. And it's just not the reality. Like this is 2023. You can be whoever you want to be. You can be the most unathletic person and make it to the NBA. That should make kids, make fans of Nikola Jokic happy. Make them, give them hope, right? Anybody can do this if you put work into it. Nicola has the best footwork in the NBA, the best footwork in the league right now. I will go toe-to-toe with anyone who tells me differently. He deserves to be respected, and he doesn't, what he doesn't deserve and what this team doesn't deserve on both sides, right? Everyone says like, oh, well, it's all Nicola, it's all Nicola, even when they win, and it's all Nicola when they lose, right? He's like the quarterback of the team when there's tons of other guys that go into it. Nikola might be the alpha and the omega. He might be the guy who gets the first shot of the game and the guy who is taking that buzzer beater shot at the end of the game. And therefore, if he misses the buzzer beater, he's going to be faulted with it. He's going to be faulted with the losses. But when you hear him speak, when you hear this team speak, and when you hear their coach speak, they speak about it as a team, as a team. 
you know in that game against san antonio he said myself first and all of us can be better on the glass at rebounding when the nuggets out rebound their opponents they consistently have had victories so they know that rebounding is a big part of basketball as any basketball fan does they know that they need to be better at it and what i heard in that quote was their leader of their team taking responsibility first before putting it on anyone else on the floor and instead what kirk heard was see he knows he sucks all that to say do your research guys don't just read the articles and depend on espn quote-unquote analysts to give you the numbers and then believe them go in watch the tape look for yourself a lot of these scenarios and situations where he is the last resort the last guy under the basket in a help defense situation he's getting beat yeah in two-on-ones he's getting beat sure and he also gets a lot of stops he does i watched 200 clips of him today he gets a lot of stops and you know this is a guy who never asked for his flowers never so let's just remember that when we criticize him kirk lame it was a lame article coach malone had lots to say about it today at practice which is why i wanted to make sure i checked out what this guy kirk was talking about and i did my own research and you know what the tape does not back up these numbers that kirk's given so do your own research if you want to or just tune into the chicken nuggets every week that's what i'd be doing and make sure when you do you download betstamp using promo code jenna g so you get the special offer and let them know who sent you i'll be back with another episode of the chicken nuggets podcast after their first game in phoenix they have a back-to-back right tomorrow night thursday they will play against um, the pelicans and then friday they will have a game in phoenix so pelicans at home then phoenix on the road i will be missing the pelicans game at home so if you follow on social media and are used to getting those clips uh during warm-ups or the bets that i put out i'll still put out a bet but it'll and it'll be on social media so follow at vita viva diva but i won't be in the stadium for that game and then they head on the road for phoenix they got phoenix on friday golden state back at home on sunday and then their final road game of road trip excuse me of the season houston phoenix again and then utah wrapping it up with their final home game against the sacramento kings it's gonna be a great last six games of the season you're gonna want to tune in so that you know what's all what all's going on headed into the postseason we'll talk soon